We'll be streaming live soon. Well, praise the Lord. Where's the church? Anyone seen the church? Where'd it go? Doesn't look like it's uh, doing to uh, alive with all the stuff that's going on in the world, particularly in the United States of America, and all the politics and all the hatred and all the lying and all the accusers. uh, Where's the church? Well, we looked at uh, two items. We looked at the church is called the harvest because there is a harvest out there. (laughs) I tell you, if you go among all the protesters, you can find some. You can find some lost souls. And uh, there's a, a call to power. You can't do it yourself. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. The church was initiated with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It was not a one-time act. Just to get it started, it was something that's needed in the church up to the day and forever. We need the power. Then we began last week looking at a call to mission, which the first aspect we looked at healing. And I want to share something with you on healing, and then we'll get into looking at the physical mission. I'm going to turn to uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 28. And I want to share with you that I am now a new grandfather. Uh, number 13 and counting. I, now, I'm not going to count anymore. That's as high as I can count. I'm telling my children right now, stop. <laughs> no more, please. No, they are doing what God wants them to do, so I'm not going to argue with it. But uh, this child uh, being born, was born yesterday to my son, who lives in Dallas, Texas. He's my oldest. He's 49. and got a child born to him. And his wife, she's 41, 42. Whoa, that's got to be the end. But anyway, when that child was uh, diagnosed, they took an MRI. I guess that's what you look at. His frontal part of his brain was not there. So the doctor said, this child will not live. This child is going to be born dead. At most, it will live for two years and die. That's what the doctors forecast to take place. Well, the doctors just do not know God. The doctors don't know God at all. John chapter 10, verse 28. John chapter 10, verse 28. You see, he, his name is John, and he was born on 1028. Is that God or is that God? This is his verse. This is what God said he, he's, gonna, he's doing right now. I, and I give them eternal life, and they never will, shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Mmm. You telling me that her due date was in November and he came on ten twenty eight, John ten twenty eight. You can't tell me that's not God. God set all this up. And so what's happening? 
He's nourishing fine. He's breathing fine. He's crying fine. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he has uh, these nurses, real special nurses for intensive care, neonatal intensive care nurse. They come in there. This is amazing. This is it's not supposed to be. They can't believe it. This is what's happening. God is a healing God. And God is in the healing business. And I am I am challenging the church to continue to know. You see, people have been praying, people have lifted up their faith in believing for God to do something. God does not bring forth halfway people. He does not bring forth junk. He brings forth whole people into the world to serve Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I just got a text message. Uh, before I came here, his, his name is John Caleb, but that's not his middle name. His middle name is Josiah. They decided on Josiah, which they found out means God has healed. Whoa. I tell you, God's in the healing business. And I wanted to share that with you because I, I want to encourage you, never give up. Never give up. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at what the doctors say. Don't look at anything but Jesus. Look at the Word of God. God is in the healing business and the church needs to recognize that today. And never give up on Him. Don't just pray, oh God, please help. No. Thank God for the healing that He did on the cross. He took it all on the cross. Hallelujah. Well, that's my sermon. Now let's go to the teaching. <laughs> I just had to share that because um, He's getting better. Uh, he's... Oh, whoa, I tell you, I'm, I'm excited about that. I don't... Well, anyway, let's go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to talk about the physical mission of the church. Physical mission of the church. John chapter 10, starting with um, uh, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, tested Jesus, saying, uh, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answered and said, Well, uh, you shall uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, uh, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Now, um, who is your neighbor? Since I'm supposed to love my neighbor, well, who is my neighbor anyway? All right. Well, that's what Jesus answered and said. A certain man went down to, from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, yeah, I just noticed that. <laughs> by chance. <laughs> By chance, here comes the church. <laughs> By chance. Yeah, they, 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 they didn't plan to do this. But by chance, they just happened to come by. 
A certain uh, priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on on the other side. Uh, uh, Luke 10 and then 31. He passed, the priest passed. He didn't get close to the need. There was a physical need there, and he did. He said, "I don't even want to get close. I, I just I don't even want to look at it. So I'm going to go on the other side." Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now, is the church too busy that it doesn't stop to meet physical needs? Oh, well, oh, I was teaching in uh, John Hancock Academy before I came to uh, Rick Bond Film Ministries, and I would drive from... Sandersville, if you know the spot of which it would be a 25-minute drive. And I go on the highway, and for, for three months, I saw this man walking towards the town that I was going to. He was walking. But I've, I've got to go teach. For three months, I did that. Finally, God said, you've got to stop. I stopped and picked him up. I didn't know the guy. You know what he was doing? He was walking to the other side of the town to a uh, nursing home so that he could teach the Word of God. Now, there was a need for this man, and I missed it for three months. But I finally got to it. Now, just this past, uh, just uh, recently, I was uh, headed towards the church that I'm serving at, and this man was on the side of the road sitting down, thumbing, <laughs> you know, like he, you know, he wanted to ride. And I'm busy going to church because I'm the pastor and i got to get there, and that's my position, and I've got to do it. And I missed it. You see, sometimes we get too busy doing what we think we have to do and we miss the opportunities that maybe God will give us. I know sometimes it's dangerous, but when God puts something on your heart and you bypass it, then you're missing out the opportunity to meet a physical need of someone, maybe even a spiritual need into someone's life. The church passing by. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed back into Luke 10:33, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. How many times do you see in Scripture where Jesus was moved with compassion? The feeling of this, this, man, this man is hurting. I've got to do something. And he took the, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own anim, own animal. In other words, in today's language, I'm going to take you into my car <laughs> and drive you wherever you need to go. And brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took 
out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, uh, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Of which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Which one actually was a neighbor? I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I've got to love my neighbor. And I'm passing by the need of my neighbor. Or will I go out of my way to make sure that my neighbor who is hurting has their need met? And not only that, but go over and above. Not just a meet. Whatever it takes, I'll do more. I'll do more. I've got to know that God did more for me than what I deserve. He meets every physical need that I have. And he never fails. Why would I fail to do that for somebody else? Where's the church? All right, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, verse 34 and following. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, Jesus saying. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Verse 40. And the king will answer and say to him, Surely I say to you, even as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Do you realize that when we meet people's physical needs, when we help them, we're actually doing it unto Jesus. We're actually doing it to Him because He sees the need and He's assigned you or me to meet that need and God will supply what is necessary for us to meet the need of that individual. I've seen that in this ministry. You tell me that the needs are not being met in a particular place in Nitavori, Brazil, right now, in the feeding of the hungry, in the, in the ministering to the, the children? Are you telling me that the need is not being met to the pastors in particular who cannot travel anyway and their greatest need is the horse and buggy to get water? This ministry is meeting not only the spiritual needs, but the physical needs of the people. And that's what we need to realize. We're not just called to go out and preach a nice sermon and go out and just share the gospel. Okay, now you're going to heaven. Bye. Nice knowing you. No, we are there to minister to them in every way that God wants us to. So that's what... Jesus said, listen, in this parable, he's saying, now listen, if you have done it to 
the road, the guy on the side of the road, you've done it to me. If you pick up the guy that's walking, you've done it to me. What, no matter what it is, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and let Him guide you as to what the physical need is. You can't meet them all, and God doesn't expect you to do that. But He does expect you to do what He tells you to. Hmm. Oh, that is hard at times because you say, I'm busy. I've got to go somewhere. I've got to get this done. I can't go over there. i got to make sure i got to go. Yeah. Why don't we just calm down and listen? You don't understand this traffic is just bothering me and that guy cut me off in the traffic and I just can't. Why don't you just calm down and listen to what God is saying? And he'll speak anytime, any place, because the need is there always. Acts chapter two. Now, this is the church. Oh, the church is going now. I got the power, and I got the power. I got that. <laughs> I got the power. <laughs> Acts chapter two. Oh, uh, verse forty and following. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, talking about uh, Peter, saying, Be saved with, from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Whoa, hallelujah. Man, I never had that that one. <laughs> you get excited. Man, I, man, I can go on. Look, look, look what I've done today. I preach a great sermon, and I've got uh, 3,000 souls. And, boy, that's all I need to do for the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the speaking and the breaking of bread and in prayers. In verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs, wonders and signs were done among the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. I don't ever see that happening. I don't think we could. I don't. I don't think a church could get together. Let's uh, uh, pool all our funds here, all our money, and see how God wants it to, to use it. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> no, that won't work. No, because you see, I got to pay bills. I got to buy this, and I got my cars broke down, and I got to buy food, and I got. They said, "What? What? Listen." What I have is yours, and we're just going to share everything together. Now, I did do some for the first time in my life when I uh, finally uh, assigned the church in, in Monroe, Georgia, that God put it on my heart to give my, give my car away. I mean, uh, and, and I realized after I did that, God, this is your car anyway. You just let me use it, and so everything that I have in in my in my possession 
he has given to me to, to use for his glory, for his benefit. So why do I think that I've got to hoard everything and maybe if I have something left over at the end of the month, I'll help out? No, it doesn't work that way. You help out at the beginning of the month and then your needs are met for that month. It always happens. They had everything in common. This was the church full of the Holy Spirit after signs and wonders are taking place, all these wonderful people got saved. Hallelujah. And it wasn't just the apostles. Now you got 3,000 people. And they all said, well, listen, he, he saved me. Now I think I can uh, give up some, some things in my life. And, I, and, and here, let's put it all in the pot and let's, let's see who has the greatest need. We'll get it out. Where's the church? I'm telling you, where's the church? Uh, let's go with Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, and then the multitude of those who believed were of one heart. Get that right now, one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. That's what I just said, isn't it? It's not mine, it's God's. But they had all things common, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Hallelujah. Verse 34, Now was there anyone among them who lacked? For all who had possession who were possessors of lands and houses, sold them and bought them. I can't, this is funny. <laughs> I mean, I just don't see this happening. I mean, this, this can't be real. They, they were lands and houses, and they sold them and bought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone who had need. I can I can I, I can't see it right now, but all the people just okay. We're going to sell everything and we're going to bring it into the church and put it at the pastor's feet. And now you you, you uh, decide where the greatest need is because you are leader. Where's the church? Now I am I really saying to go sell everything? Well, that's up to God with you. What you do have is His. Now, how are you using his possessions? That's the key. That's the important thing. How are you using what he has supplied to you to be a good steward of what he has given you? Where's the church? Uh, uh, this is all theory, and you know, this is not really real. I mean, you know, that's a good story, <laughs> but it's real. That's the way the church began. Where's the church? There may be some churches out there that really are just tremendously helping the poor at all times and all kinds of ministers, and they've got that set up. You know, I know one or two like that, but as a whole, where's the church?
the churches are struggling. If we only do it God's way, then the church would not struggle. There wouldn't be any financial need. It would have more than enough. All right, I'm going in to preach again. Ah, first, first, what am I at here? First John, chapter three, verse seventeen. This may hit hard, but here we go. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? You say that you've got the love of God in you and you don't meet the need that's before you? That love's not in you because the love of God wants to meet every need upon the face of the earth. And he wants to use you and in doing so, he'll bless you to be a blessing even further and more than you've ever dreamed before. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart from him, where's the church? Give it up. Let everybody else have their need met first before you even consider what you need. That's what it's all about. Don't put you first. Put others first. Where's the church? Well, the question that we're going to end with is, well, how do we do this? How, how, how in the world are we going to do this? Well, we've got to turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Oh, yeah, you know I'd be in the Word. I don't have anything but the Word to share. John chapter 6, and uh, starting with, uh, let's go start with verse 1. Got two ways of, of, meet, of meeting the need. And, and Jesus is going to find out what the disciples are going to do. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and that a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and where he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing the great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Where are we going to feed all of these people? But he said to him to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. You see, God's going to test us to see how we're going to feed or meet the needs of the people that we come in contact with. He's going to find out what we're going to do. Jesus already knows what he's going to do question is, do we know? Uh, Philip answered him, well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, not that every one of them uh, may have uh, a little. 
and it, and one of the disciples, uh, Andrew Simon, uh, Peter's brother, said to him, "There's a lad here with five barley loaves and two fish. Uh, that's all we got. I mean, but uh, what is that among so many? You know, we look at how how I don't have much." What can I do with this little bit that I have? Well, Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was as much grass in the place, and so the men sat down in number of 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves. When he gave thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were all filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so there be nothing lost. And therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments of five barley loaves who were left over by those who had eaten. You see, the key to it is, yes, I don't have much. But if I give what I have to Jesus... He can multiply it and increase it and meet the need more than enough. Have some left over. Uh, who, do you think, who do you think got the leftovers? I believe the disciples. Twelve baskets. How many disciples were there? Twelve. You see... You gotta give what you have to Jesus. Don't try to do it yourself. You can't meet the need of the people that He's going to send you to unless you give what you have to Him. And then it can be multiplied and be an over and an abundance. He's able to do exceedingly above what you ask or think, according to the power that works in you. What power? The church needs the what power? The Holy Spirit working. So I encourage you today, sit down with Jesus and say, Jesus, here's all my possessions. Now, what do you want to do with them? What do you want? I give to you all of them. Everything I got is yours. I give it to you. Now direct me as to where a physical need is so that I can help someone today. That should be your prayer. Go do that. Do that today. Never, never, never think God can do something in and through you. Don't look at what you have. Look at what Jesus can do with it. I pray for you right now. In Jesus' name, that you give it up and give it all to Him, that He will be able to use it to meet the need of someone who is your neighbor. Therefore, the love of God will come forth out of you towards that person. In Jesus' name, amen.
Brilha a luz que é nua 